Hello and welcome to the My First Five Years podcast. I'm Alistair Bryce-Clegg. And I'm Jenny Johnson. And we're early years experts and the founders of My First Five Years, an activities and child development app for parents. And this is the podcast that's going to help you ditch some of that worry and find the joy in parenting. Absolutely. We need to get rid of some of that anxiety and have much more fun. Welcome back. We're really excited today because we have a special episode all about potty training, but potty training like you've never heard about it before. Having run a childcare group where literally thousands of children over many years have gone through potty training, but also having three of my own, I can share many funny (laughs) anecdotes. I think so many of us parents have poo stories, for example. Um, So yeah, this is a topic um, many of us care about. And for me, I typically left it till I was going on holiday. So it was somebody else's floor. Um, I always... (laughs) Well, we've got carpets at home. When we went on holiday, it was typically ceramic floor, so I wasn't being horrible. I think that's a reasonable adjustment to make. It's an piece of advice. (laughs) Wait till it's somebody else's floor. So yeah, we really hope today is going to give you fresh insight. And actually, we have researched this as my first five years and found out some really new and interesting stuff, which we're going to share with you today. And don't worry if you've not started it yet. This is what this podcast is all about. Yeah, and I think it's a thing that Jenny said we all go through, especially I remember with my three boys spotty training each of them different and it never got any easier and we weren't exactly sure we were doing the right thing and you follow advice that you get either from other parents or just from your granny or whatever it may be but we know that the advice has changed a little bit and we're going to talk today about the new advice which is even talking about putting your baby on the potty which is very different from anything that we did but again don't panic if that phrase fills you with dread about putting your baby on a potty because we're going to clarify all of that information in our discussion. Absolutely and look at the science and research behind it as well and why that's changed and at the end of the podcast don't forget we'll be doing five top tips um, all around encouraging your child to get onto the potty but also to have a dry night too And today we've enlisted the help of Rebecca Mottram, who's a paediatric nurse and potty learning expert. She works with Eric who is a national charity who's dedicated to improving children's bowel and bladder health. Rebecca welcome to my first five years. Hi it's nice to be here. Rebecca, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Rebecca. I've got two children who are now six and nine. And I remember when I was first pregnant with my first child, somebody just casually said to me that in China, babies don't wear nappies. And I was intrigued. And as a children's research nurse, which is what I do in my my day job, I wanted to find out more about this. I was like, how can you have a baby without a nappy? How does that work? I was fascinated. So I got onto Google and I did some research and this was 10 years ago now. And over the last 10 years, I've I've independently researched the whole concept and practice of potty training. And as somebody who's well used to working with parents and families, this is now an area which I specialize in. That's really fascinating about the thing in China of babies not wearing a nappy. And I think we'll go into that a little bit more in detail later on. But could you just outline for us also what Eric do and why they are specialists in this field? Eric are the UK's leading bowel and bladder charity for children's health. um, And I work with them as their potty training advisor. So this means that I come in, especially where matters to do with potty training is concerned, and was invited to join their advisory group. Amazing. So Rebecca, can we start with what the guidance was and also move into the fact that now it's recommended that you are putting your children on the potty to poo even when they're babies? 
But the history of potty training is actually really interesting. So uh, about 60 years ago in this country, um, most parents and research shows that about 97% of parents were actually helping their children use a potty as soon as they could sit up and that most children were out of nappies by the age of 18 months. So that's actually not that long ago. And I think the main change that happened that started shaping the way that we potty train was that disposable nappies were invented and they came in at a time when parents were just sick of washing and they you know I think more parents were starting to go to work more mothers were starting to go to work they didn't want the inconvenience of cloth nappies and as disposables became more sophisticated it made it easier for parents to potty train later and this combined with um, a piece of research done in, in the 70s, which suggested that children should really be part of the learning process. And, you know, we, you know, I think it was harking back to the say, 1930s when it was very strict and scheduled. You know, parents would, would almost force their children to use the potty at set times. And they were expecting a lot of a very young infant who, you know, couldn't crawl and, and move around. And so, in the 60s and 70s, the, it, you know, it was it was noted that actually alongside all the child development work that was happening, we need to give children a bit more say in this process and we need to involve them. So that together with the disposable nappies becoming more available, becoming cheaper, becoming more efficient at their job, made it easier for parents to think, OK, well, we'll potty train a bit later and that will be an OK thing to do. So that's why we had a situation where most children stopped using nappies around the age of 18 months. And, and we're talking the 70s and the 80s here. That was normal then. And what's happened over the time from then till now is that because disposable nappies are so good at what they do, it's made it easier and easier for parents to delay potty training until their children are a bit older. If we look at the statistics now, most children don't start potty training until they're two and most of them don't finish potty training until they're around three. So we've seen a huge shift in the timing of potty training and that's really where that comes from and the advice that goes with it as well has come from that. I think my boys in their 20s now, but that's certainly when we did it I think my youngest we didn't even start potty training him till he was hitting his third birthday um, and it was because it was so much easier and I think you're right in terms of the development of nappies in such a way that children also don't feel the signs of being wet or having sold themselves so it can be difficult for children to have those markers about when they are signifying that they need to use the potty and letting parents know so although they are really convenient disposable nappies they are also doing such a good job that they take away some of the children's ability to take some ownership over their own toilet training. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, I think disposables are a great invention in many ways for pe for busy parents. But unfortunately, what they do for the child is that they kind of encourage everybody to ignore this part of being human. And they allow the child to feel instantly dry as soon as they've had a wee. So there's no cause and effect. And actually, if we look at the research, we can see that even newborn babies are very aware of their body and what's happening. And they will show signs around you know the fact that they're going to empty their bladder or they're going to do a poo and what happens with disposables is that over the two years when you know we basically don't do anything about it that is eroded that learning that brain body connection is eroded and so then we have the very difficult problem that 
parents want to then change that and say, right, now we don't want you to use nappies anymore. We want you to use a potty. And the child has a very steep learning curve mm. to, to assimilate all the skills that they'll need to be able to do that effectively because their natural instinct to, to remain clean and dry will have gradually been lost over the two years when we've basically been ignoring that function. That is just so fascinating. And certainly when I um, own the nursery group, very much indicative that they were typically about two or a little bit later before we even began the discussion with the majority of the parents. So yeah, empirically, totally back up everything that you're saying there. I think what was interesting in the research that I read was it, like you said about the 1930s, where it became quite regimented that parents were putting children on and off the potty at certain times, or even though friends of ours would wake their children up in the night to put them on the toilet or put them on the potty to make sure the weed, and that's about being night dry, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But the research talked about being playful and intentional in your kind of introduction of the potty. And the idea of kind of playful potty use is something we probably need to explore because the idea of playing with a potty, some parents might find a bit bizarre, but this is not literally about playing with your potty, but just introducing the potty into the kind of environment of children from a very early age. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I think that that the playful element is so important. And and this is what's really been missed out of most of our potty training approaches so far in that, although we're saying we want to take account of what children need, we're not really putting them at the centre of this experience. So going back to what you were saying a minute ago about children not being ready and not having that understanding, well, part of that is they're not going to be ready and have the understanding because we've not taught them anything. So, you know, many parents will come along and say, well, my child's not ready, but why would they be ready? It would be, you know, the equivalent of saying, you know, get up and walk when you've not even learned to sit up and hold your head up and crawl and do all these things. So you're not going to be ready to walk until you've done all those other steps. Mm-hmm. And yet, and so I think there's a, there's a big misconception here around readiness, which is not really a thing because children are ready to learn from the day they're born. But what we need to do is give them that in a much more child-centered way. So when I think of playful potty training, for example, I'm not thinking sit around and play with the potty. What I'm thinking, for example, is how to help children to tune into their to their bodies and what their bodies are saying. Um, and, and one of my favorite ways of doing this, which I quite often advise parents to do, is when they're getting to that toddler phase and you're starting to think about stopping using nappies. And I should mention that stopping using nappies is really the last step in the process, not the first okay. step in the process but when you're trying to work towards that you know I quite often say make some play-doh that's brown let's make poo dough it's a great activity because with that you can really teach children what happens to poo you can flush some of that down the toilet you can give your poo the character of Mr Poo and you can say you know or Mrs Poo or or just poo you know whatever works for you you can say poo always gives me a ring when it's time to go because you know he's a private guy he likes to come out in the bathroom he doesn't want everyone to see him he doesn't want everyone to know he wants to go straight down to the toilet to poo land or whatever narrative you decide with your child about where poos goes and and it's our job to help him get there so when you make your poo dough you can practice that bye poo see you tomorrow it's nice to see you today and oh sorry i'm gonna have to stop i'm getting a call from from poo i'm gonna have to come back in a minute so when i think of playful potty training these are the ways that i like to approach it because it's teaching them through play about what you expect and how we handle this part of being human 
Okay, I can imagine some of our listeners' jaws are going to be on the floor at this point because we're <laughs> advising that they make their own plow poo. So, um, apart from obviously CBBS are going to commission this the minute they hear this, this is, this is <laughs> <laughs> definitely going to happen. What about those parents that would say that's really disgusting? You're encouraging children to play with poo. What if they then touch their own poo or they're out and they find some dog poo and they go and touch that because they think it's Mr. Poo at the park? Um, again, that's series two of the CBBS. Uh, but so I think. It's, it's all about setting appropriate expectations. So when you make this poo dough, yes, it is sticky. You do get it on your hands. So then you have to wash your hands. You know, when children are learning to wipe, and this is typically one of the last skills that they get independent at doing, yep. you know, you are going to have to face up to the fact that this is poo. We all do it. It's normal. It's not disgusting. It's not hygienic. So we have to treat it in an appropriate way. So we have to learn how to wash our hands. We have to learn that poo goes goes in the toilet and and this is one of the earliest things that we can start teaching because if you imagine typically what we do is we change our child's nappy for them and they're not really involved in that process i mean i've i've even seen things that actually stop your child even seeing or knowing what's going on down yeah. there while you do this so we really separate our child's awareness from this part of them and then you know they're going to be more interested in it because wow what's this now you've introduced me to but if from a very early age we show them that we flush poo down the toilet and by the way this is what we should be doing for the environmental benefits of that is where poo should go yep. not rolled up in a nappy and put in your bin but it should go down the toilet so as soon as your child becomes aware and be, can become aware of that and be involved in this is where poo goes they will start to learn the social acceptability of how we manage this aspect and how we stay hygienic and you know the, this poo dough thing is an extension of saying yes poo is normal yes it can be dirty so yes, we wash our hands. Yes, we put it down the toilet. This is what we do. So so I actually think it's about being very open and okay with it. And I know we're all British, so we have some problems with this, <laughs> probably. But I think it is just about being, yeah, this is a fact of life and this yeah. is what we need to do about it. And I think you're right with that. And also it's about parents' own expectations because they will have been brought up to have certain thoughts and beliefs and feelings about poo. But you are dead right. It's a very natural thing that we all have to do. And the more we can introduce our children to the normality of it and the safe disposal of it, then the better. So what are the key bits of advice now that have changed? And as a parent that, you know, when I heard this um, change of research, I really do buy into what you're saying. And if I had a young child now, I'd be interested in trying to do things differently. So what would those steps look like? What are Eric now advising? One of the key things to understand is that there's some very good and clear evidence now that if we delay potty training till the child is three or above, then it's actually not good for their long-term bowel and bladder health. Mm -hmm. So this is one of the foundations which tells us, right, we need to potty train earlier. And my approach has always been about, okay, how can we do that in a way that a child is going to be motivated, that they're going to want to engage with this, that they're going to, it's going to be normalized? And how can we give parents a way of doing it that's going to fit within their busy lifestyle? Because yeah. the last thing we want to do is make another job for parents that's Absolutely. difficult and mm -hmm. let's face it, potentially messy as well. We don't want to do that. So whilst there are, you know, historically and still many countries around the world who don't rely on nappy is for their children's hygiene I think we can take the area of that and say right we're going to use nappies as a tool mm -hmm. we're 
going to use them in our parenting toolkit. So, but when we put a, a, a nappy on our child and we wear and they wear it twenty four hours, seven days a week, what we are actually doing is giving them a portable toilet, and that then makes it quite a difficult transition for them to then move away because what you have to do when you're not wearing nappies is you have to be able to listen to your body you have to know what the know what it's telling you and you have to know that that has to happen in a different place Mm -hmm. so not in the nappy that you've had on all your life so far and these are really really complex skills so I think some of some of the thinking behind this is to think we need to give children a longer time to learn this and that really fits in well with the fact that we need them to be out of nappies sooner because if we look at the literature there's 40 different skills that children need to develop and if we think about the current sort of mainstream thinking that we need to change is that children are going to learn that in a matter of days I mean you know, there's methods, the three-day method or whatever, where you're kind of cooped up at home with poo and wee flying everywhere and your child's <laughs> got to learn these like 40 skills in three days and, and they won't be able to go back to nursery until they have. So it becomes so pressurized and yeah. so stressful. And I think that makes it so much worse for parents. So so what the advice is changing to now is to say, right, do a little bit and do it sooner. So my advice would be yes wear nappies use nappies they're a brilliant invention they're a useful tool but if you see your child doing a poo face and you know most parents will know what that looks like yes or if you know that your child tends to poo at a certain time of day and and we know that children humans in fact generally tend to need to poo after they've eaten a meal because it's like food in body goes make space let's get some poo outs for that so we know that there's these natural timings that we can take advantage of and you know i would encourage that as soon as a baby can sit up if not before and there is information out there i've I've written a book about how to to do it before they sit up but let's just say from the time they sit up you see that poo face or you learn when they're most likely to poo you think right just take the nappy off and I'm going to sit them on the potty and that's you know that is the ergonomical position in which to poo as well so the chances are if they do have that poo waiting it's going to come out in the potty and it's like wow great they've had an experience of pooing outside their nappy they know how that feels they've seen their poo it's in the potty you then get a chance to flush it away together you are starting to build on all of those really important skills that they need for the future when they're going to be doing this on their own and that's why when you stop using nappies it's really the last step of that process because mm-hmm. there's so much they need to know before that would you ideally recommend that you have a poo place that is outside of where children would play or where you would eat as a family obviously if you get an emergency poo face situation you might need to bring your potty in but if it's something that you think is fairly predictable as you're saying you know you go somewhere else to poo would you be advising that you're trying to have a quiet a spot that's away from where the family kind of socialize to do your initial potty training yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's a great idea. So first of all, I would say there's going to be times when you see that poo coming and it's too late. There's too many poppers or whatever. You're just not going to get there yeah. in time. Mm-hmm. In which case, you know, your default is to say, oh, you've done a poo. Let's go and change that. So you change it. You take notice of it. You teach them that this is something we pay attention to. We don't ignore it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you know, there, there is always that as well. I think in terms of where you have the potty, it sort of depends a bit on what stage you're at. So for a young child, say, between six and 18 months you're not necessarily looking to stop using nappies at that point but you do still want to teach 
teach them that poo and wee can happen in a set place. So being familiar with the bathroom, maybe when they get up in the morning or after their nap, you know, going in there and having a bit of potty time. And if you can time it so you can do their poo in there, then great. I think once you start getting to the point where you really want them to stop using nappies, you need to think about the barriers that they're going to have. So if you've got a bathroom upstairs or way down the hallway and your child is new to, and to, to this, then you're making a barrier for them when they have to go that far. Mm-hmm. So maybe at that point you are going to want to have a potty in the room. And I think it's important though at some point that you know, they do learn that they have to stop playing, they have to stop what they're doing, and they have to go to the potty, even if that's just a couple of metres away. It's a start towards recognising that this thing happens in a set place. You know, we don't just do it in our pants sitting on someone's lap or playing with the Lego anymore, because now we're learning that it goes all of it in the potty. Yeah. Oh, it's really interesting. And as well, just um, for parents to be able to picture what this might look like to them, when you say, you know, find a time where maybe you go and sit them on the potty, how long are you thinking there? Because we all know that children tend not to cooperate and, and I'm sure you're not advocating that they're forced to sit on the potty. So no. I'm just exploring that a little bit further so that people don't listen to this and go off on a tangent that you'd be mortified by. Where so you've they got like 20, 20 yeah. minutes potty training a day. Or else, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I think... The, the, what's really important is that there isn't very much guesswork in this. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the time what can happen is you think, right, I'm going to start potty train. I'll just sit them on randomly and see what happens and nothing happens. And then really all you've taught them is there's this semi-comfortable seat in a bathroom, which is actually quite a boring place. Can we get yeah. out of here now? Absolutely. So we, we need to kind of learn from our child. And, and this is the bit where it's important to try and work out you know, when is your child going to poo? What does that look like? And then try to time those offerings with that so that you have success. Classic one is the wake up wee. Humans don't wee in their sleep, but they generally will need a wee after they've woken up. So that's a really good time to go and do that. When I was researching into this, there was somebody online that was offering to sell you a potty time activity basket in which there were colouring books, crayons, storybooks. And the idea was you went and sat in the potty for a good 20 minutes and carried out some craft activities while you were waiting for something to happen. I'm getting the sense that that wouldn't be something you would advocate. I do think sometimes there's a need to kind of sit down and have a quiet moment and let all the muscles relax and align and kind of tune into your body. And, you know, even a lot of adults will take the newspaper to the toilet, won't they? So we know this. Um, And I think children aren't that different. And and sometimes we do need to provide a bit of gentle distraction for them. So, you know, I'm actually a fan of having a small basket of of semi-stimulating toys that are in the bathroom. And I think one of the best inventions for all Older toddlers is fidget toys because they're not overly distracting but okay. it's it's whatever works for you and your family like yeah may, maybe coloring's a bit too far but looking at a picture book something that allows you to still take notice of what's going on in your body and yeah. pay attention to that but nothing and, and i think the most important thing is to avoid screens of all kinds okay. because they are way too distracting and also set a time limit so i think five minutes is plenty mm-hmm. if it hasn't happened by then you say okay well done for sitting there that was great i'm really pleased with you we'll try again later and you just don't make a big deal of it yeah and things like breathing, I suppose, if you're trying to relax and listen to your body, to be quiet, to practice a bit of even just simple breathing in and out, anything that just gives Why you some not? peace. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think, I really do think parents know their children and yeah, they know, they, they will know how to do yeah. that. So I think as long as you avoid screens, that's 
that's the main thing and you know just just be relaxed about it don't don't hover too much give them a bit of privacy if they want you know turn your back on them in the bathroom and pretend to be organizing the toothpaste or something just to give them that sense (laughs) of this is completely normal we're all relaxed and you know there's no pressure there's a few things that stand out to me there and we're massive advocates of understanding the little steps that get you to the big place and you've just talked about the 40 you know skills that children need to sort of master before they're going to be ready it really does align to what we're trying to do which is in all aspects of child development to help parents spot those little things and I think as well if you see them and understand them as part of a journey you do relax more into the end destination because you can see that they're beginning to get there so I love that and just one other question that popped into my mind once you've had a bit of success on that potty are we being really celebratory and yay amazing (laughs) or are we trying to calm it down what what What's your sort of, what's the after poo advice? <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in my experience, the things that really motivate and nourish children in, in the early years are things like seeing your pride, seeing your recognition, being able to do things for themselves, you know, having mastery over all of the things, including their body and being good at them and having that acknowledged, you know, the feedback that says you did it, look, your poo's in the potty, that's great, let's flush it away. And then involving them in, can they tip that into the the toilet? Can they help? Can they say goodbye to poo? Involve them in all of the little things that need to happen around this and absolutely acknowledge it. Say you did, you did well, you got all your poo in the potty. And I think just being quite factual about it, Mm -hmm. I you know, I do know parents who tell me they throw a little party and they phone up Auntie Sue and the grandparents and there's a banner up for them at nursery. And and I do kind of feel that that in itself creates a, um, a huge amount of... Um, of of pressure and you know would you do that for example when your child got the spoon in the mouth for the first time instead of the porridge on the floyd think thank god that they've finally learned how to do this and i don't have to wipe it up anymore (laughs) but you wouldn't phone auntie sue and have a party so i think just being quite matter of fact is is absolutely okay yeah in terms of parent confession we used to clap the poo uh, so, we're, but also we used to have our potty in the living room on the hearth and it was a big ceremonial climb onto the hearth to your poo. But my eldest son you used to, like it was, everybody's a hearth. Anyway, my eldest son, God love him, used to fake a poo just to get just the clap. Just to get the clap. So he would actually go as far as do that. And then he would go and we'd go, go, yay, you've done your poo and clap and he'd stand up and there'd be nothing in there. So I'm with you. I think you can go too far the other way where literally they just want the celebration, the attention. So then you get yeah. into fake poo time. <laughs> and one, one little tip that I was I was going to share is that um, when it comes to wheeze, it can they can be a bit harder to spot, can't they? Because they can sort of slip out silently. Yeah. And what I found one time is if you put a bit of water in the potty, then as they start to wee, you get that instant feedback ah. of the noise mm. and you can say, great, you're doing your wee. And, you know, that is really good for the child to kind of feel what their body's doing and hear that hear at the same result. time yeah. and know that that's what it is. That's that a is a so tip. I would give that feedback as well. And it makes it easier to clean the potty if they do a poo because it's just floating in the water instead of stuck on all the sides. Excellent tip. (laughs) 
Rebecca, as we were chatting earlier, you mentioned about the fact that um, young children would typically not wee in their sleep. Could we just explore that a little bit more? Because obviously all parents love the idea of a dry night. And I certainly remember many, many challenges and damp cots and damp beds uh, where they certainly appeared to be weeing in their sleep. So I suppose there's more to it. Tell, Tell us about that. Yeah, it, it is quite a, a poorly understood area of potty training. Mm-hmm. Um, what the research shows is that young babies, infants, this is what the study was done on, they don't wee when they're in quiet sleep. That's what the study describes. And I think it's because th- there's several things going on here. So when we are asleep, then our bodies produce hormones, antidiuretic hormones, which then halve the amount of wee that our bodies are making. So this helps us to stay dry when we're asleep because if it was like when we're awake then we'd be making loads of wee and our bladders would have to be absolutely massive so to to have a proper rest so that's one of the things that our body does to help us Mm -hmm. and that hormone is present from birth so one of the big misconceptions around nighttime potty training is that you have to wait for that hormone Mm -hmm. to get to a certain level otherwise they're never going to do it and that's not really true in fact the vast majority over 90% of children will not have a problem with their hormones so what really going on here at night you know why are our children weeing their beds at night when we you know it's not helpful is it so there's a few things going on the the biggest thing is that it's habit if you think that when you're wearing a nappy you could wake up a little bit and you might still look asleep or you might actually be half asleep and you could just be like right well this is it this is the part of the night where I do my wee so I'll do that and then I'll go back to sleep and there's no consequence because you've got your nappy on right so so we we massively help our children to get into this habit um, and, you know, for younger children whose bladders are not going to be able to get them all through the night just because they're not big enough and they, the muscles yeah. aren't strong enough yet, you know, they are going to need to do wheeze in the night. So if you take the nappy off, that's what's going to happen. So so when it comes to nighttime training, what we need to really do is help teach them the right habits. One great tip I can give you, it's really obvious well, if I went to bed and I drunk a pint of water and went to bed, I would definitely need to wee in the night, yeah, right? Yeah. So if your child is having a big drink at bedtime, a big drink of milk or whatever, then the chances are they will need to get up in the night and do a wee if you want them to keep their bed dry. So if you can reduce that fluid, then that's going to help. And and the key to that is making sure that they drink enough fluid in the daytime. Mm-hmm. And this is also really key for bladder health because toddlers should be drinking around a litre of water a day and actually hardly any toddlers drink that much yeah but that is really needed because when we're drinking a good amount of water in the day our bladder is being filled and emptied and filled and emptied and it's developing that strength that's going to get us through the night and also when we're drinking a good amount of liquid in the day we can reduce how much they're having at bedtime because they've already had their allocation of liquid okay so, so that's one thing we can do. I think the other thing is recognising that it is a habit. So if you take that nappy away, they're going to have a few wet nights when they go, oh, actually, oh, I wasn't wearing my nappy. And they, they need to somehow, you know, actually learn from that experience a little bit. And the general advice I would say is, Start early, as in, oh, it's bedtime, part of our bedtime routine. We sit on the potty and we do our wee-wee before we get into bed and we go to sleep. When we wake up in the morning, we first thing we do, go to the toilet, do our wee when we wake up. 
And then as they're growing and their bladder strength is developing and their body awareness and all that stuff is growing, then we can start thinking about, right, now we can stop using nappies, say maybe from 18 months onwards. And it might take them a week or two to get into that habit. But you have the potty in the room, you're teaching them all the right skills and they will get there usually because the vast majority, it is about habit. It's not some innate thing that they either can or they can't do. It's about what we teach them and the opportunities they have for learning. Rebecca, a couple of things can I ask from that. One is, I know people that we know uh, when my boys were little would get their children up in the night for a middle of the night wee. So wake them up to go and wee in the toilet. And the other thing is I also know people who have done things like giving sticker charts or rewards for children who manage a dry night. And I think from what you're saying, if the child's got no real control over whether they manage a dry night or not, then it seems a little bit Bit a, a bit harsh to say we're <laughs> going to give you a reward if you do it, but actually you've got no control of whether you do it or not. So what are your thoughts on those two? So first of all, when it comes to being dry at night, what we need to teach our children is to wake up to the sensation of a full bladder, not a wet bed. Okay. You know, that's that's the area we need to work on. And that's why having that body awareness is so important. So one of the things we can do for that is when we're, when we're thinking of stopping using nappies, we can help them to feel wet when they do a wee. Mm-hmm. A really good way of doing this is to put a cloth into their nappy so that when they, when they do a wee, if it's a disposable nappy, hey, it actually feels wet and, and practice using the potty. So we're developing that body awareness and that's going to help them to rouse from sleep when they have the full bladder, not when they've kind of half sleep, done their wee and then gone, oh God, everything's wet now, mommy yeah. or daddy or whatever. So, so that's one of, that's one of the ways that we can help with that. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the other things that often happens is that parents will lift their child. It's commonly called lifting, where you kind of lift a half asleep child and kind of hold them over the toilet and tell them to wee and they're kind of drifting in and out and they'll do a wee. So obviously that might keep the bed dry, but it doesn't teach them to wake mm-hmm. up themselves to yeah. a full bladder mm-hmm. so it can it can be a bit of a, a, a probably not the most helpful thing to do do you know what Rebecca just sharing a story of mine and now I don't feel as daft but I used to put a pair of nicks underneath the nappy when I was trying to get them to be aware um, because I'd kind of clocked that these nappies are just so good that mm-hmm. they haven't got a clue what they've done whereas if you put a pair of nicks on and then the nappy yeah. they sort of feel the sensation and are more likely to, to tell you that they feel wet so I don't feel quite as daft now because well, a lot of people used to look at me and go really? <laughs> I think it's actually a really good strategy and it's where I got the idea of having a little cloth that you can put in. And so that's something that I now offer because I think, you know, the thing about pants is it great, but you are kind of then teaching them to wet their pants. And and actually, while we're on the the topic of pants, it's really important, I think, for parents to see pants as one of the last steps. Mm -hmm. Because if we go from no nappies to pants, they just feel a lot like pants. You can get loads of accidents. So instead, wearing loose-fitting trousers that give them a bit of breathing space and just being naked underneath, they're still dressed, so they're learning the social norm, but Mm. they haven't got this thing that's going to maybe potentially trip them up by feeling like a nappy. So I I think when it comes to celebrations, in fact, actually getting to the point where you can wear pants is a real win for parents and and going to choose them with your now very grown-up child who is able to select their own pants towards the end of this journey is Mm -hmm. a really lovely milestone, actually. Yep, I like Um, that. 
<laughs> so leading on to the the motivation and the sticker things it's it's very easy to be kind of sold the idea that if you give your child a sticker or a star chart or that you know that that they're going to want to do this thing and actually from the child's point of view that's that's very superficial it's not really what motivates them and because it's it's external motivation and what they really need is to feel that they are growing up that they're becoming more capable that you're very proud of them and all these things and so if we turn if we think about that message and we think well then how should we praise our children actually what's really important is that we don't wait for them to get to the end of the process before we acknowledge their efforts we need to be praising them as they're going along so well done for coming to tell me that you need your nappy changed or well done for coming to tell me that your pants were wet let's go and get changed or you know, you did a great job of sitting on your potty there and having a go. I'm so proud of you. You're really helping me out. All these little messages that we can give to our children that encourage them to carry on engaging with the process. That's where we need to put the praise, not waiting for sort of delayed gratification of a sticker at the end, which Mm -hmm. will quickly become meaningless to the child and not something they really care about. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Rebecca, so we wake up in the morning and uh, Charles wet the bed and we're frustrated and we chastise them. I mean, I presume we're not helping ourselves in the long run if we start to chastise our children for wetting the bed. What would be a better strategy? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's fairly well known now that sort of chastising a child for any kind of of accident is probably a bad idea, especially around night time, because it's a very vulnerable time, isn't it, when we're asleep? And we want to feel that we have that trusting, warm relationship with the people looking after us. So, So I do think it's particularly important to be gentle around that. I think it's better to just be matter of fact and say, okay, we have, we have a wet bed. Let's sit on the potty and see if there's any more to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, what you can do, you are going to get some wet beds. So it's about having that expectation and not having that as a surprise and thinking yeah. this is a normal part of the learning journey. It doesn't yeah. mean that my child's not succeeding. Mm-hmm. You know, it actually means that we're, we're, we're going through the normal thing that everyone's going through. Yep. What I would say is if you're, if, if your child has only, has previously been dry and then they start wetting the bed then you know go and see your gp make sure there's not an infection or something like that Uh or you know if your child is wetting the bed every single night for weeks and weeks Uh then go and get some advice about that but you know the occasional wetting once or twice a week for several weeks or months is actually within the realm of normal and it doesn't mean that you should stop trying to help them with that yeah and if we're expecting it and we're ready for it we we keep calm matter of fact yeah. And yeah, yeah, we don't want to be making our children feel bad about something that's completely normal. Mm. We talk a lot about no. that in many of our different podcasts. But I think at the same time as well, you know, when it comes to accidents in the day, it's quite important not to pretend that they didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you say, oh, it's okay, it doesn't matter. But actually, it does matter and it's not okay so maybe just saying something like okay well this is what we need to do now we need to go and get changed you come with me and we're not shaming them about that but we're involving them in that process and we're not just making the accident disappear Mm -hmm. we're acknowledging it and we're dealing with it in the way that we need to of clearing it up and reminders for what you want to do if you feel a week coming on or a poo coming on if you forgot or you're too engrossed in your play or you just couldn't be bothered so I think it's just reinforcing the message and like with all things with little humans you sometimes just have to reinforce those key messages a good few times before they become natural in every day yeah and and being playful with that as well so one of my favorite ones is to teach the toys to wait 
So, you know, you can speak to the toys and say, right, everyone, I'm sorry, but we have a very urgent call here from Pooh, or we, and we're going to the bathroom. You guys need to stop moving. I don't want to see any of you playing until we get back. Because a lot of children have this fear of missing out. So teach them to take control of their game and learn how to pause it so that they can go away, not feel like they have to rush and stumble through it because they're going to miss everything fun you know so so be playful think you know about how you can engage your child to do it in a way that they want to like mm-hmm. well you know I bet you couldn't get there before I count to 10 or I bet you couldn't get there going backwards or oh I've forgotten where the potty is let me see and kind of blindly stumble around yeah. and, and have them show you where it is so being playful is such a great way to motivate them to engage in the process absolutely some really lovely advice thank you Rebecca, it'd be fabulous just to recap on what we've learned today. And what we tend to do at the end of our podcast is just five top tips. So sorry to put you on the spot, (laughs) but if you could think of five top tips that you would want parents to take away, what would they be? Number one would be to start early. Help them use a potty from as soon as they can sit up, if you can. Just get going early. Give them time to learn all those skills. Number two, see stopping using nappies as one of the last steps in the process, not the first. Number three, be playful. Help your child to want to play along with you to make these things happen. So number four is don't leave it to guesswork. Get to know when your child is likely to have a poo or a wee and offer them the potty at that time. Number five, put a bit of water in the potty so that when they do a wee, you can hear it. And it also makes taking the poo out a bit easier. I think number five is my favourite tip. It's just so practical and there's nothing worse than having to clean a dry poo potty. Yeah, I love that one too, yeah. (laughs) Rebecca, if parents wanted some more up-to-date information about what's best to do for potty training, where can they look? I would recommend having a look at my website, which is littlebunnybear.com. It's all evidence-based and there's some really great free resources there as well. And the Eric website, so that's eric.org.uk. And as the leading bowel and bladder charity for children, they have very similar resources to my own. Um, I think it's important to know that at the moment, because the policy is still being changed and it's taking a while to trickle down, that, you know, it's probably not, you're not going to find the most up-to-date evidence on places like the NHS at the moment, which is why I recommend those two resources. That makes sense. Becca, can I just say a huge thank you for agreeing to come on our podcast today. It's been yeah, truly it's been fascinating. It's yeah. really sort of challenging thinking, but also makes a lot of common sense. Absolutely. There's nothing you've said that I've gone, oh, everything you've said just makes sense. And I, I tend to find that with child development. Yeah. You have your eyes open to a new way of thinking, the penny drops, and it's like, yeah, looking it's, forward to seeing what our parents think that are listening to this and, and whether they're going to give this new or this more up-to-date, evidence-based way a try. It's the best afternoon talking about poo I've ever had absolutely <laughs> thank you Brilliant. very much and you, you'll be going home tonight and saying let's make some poo dough absolutely <laughs> will <laughs> maybe not to my adult children they think I'm a bit strange <laughs> yeah. well thanks for having me it's been really great thank you thanks Rebecca thank you bye for listening today i hope you found it as fascinating as we have and um, get in touch if there's anything at all you want us to talk about and if you want to find out more about potty training your child and loads of really other interesting parent stuff you can download our app my first five years from the app store 
And remember, you can get this podcast direct to your feed by just pressing the follow button on your Apple podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. And please do have a think about sharing this episode. It means a lot to us when you share the work that we do. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Bye.